0: Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick.
1: Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. The Illinois Family Institute is joining with pro-life organizations, in opposition to any actions in the General Assembly that would bring Oregon, California, and Canadian-style legalized assisted death to Illinois. IFI is a member of Speak Out Illinois, and Scheidler chairs the statewide coalition.
0: Well, we have to make sure that everybody is aware, for one thing, abortion isn't the only uh, focus of the pro-death advocates. They're really wanting to come after those who are handicapped, those who are uh, terminally ill, people who are depressed. I mean, it's very, very insidious, and in places where they have legalized assisted death, it has become a real area of pressure on people.
1: And they make it sound so good, compassionate and care and death with dignity, all those buzzwords.
0: All the same kind of buzzwords they used on abortion, Uh, just covering over a real evil thing with good-sounding words and make you feel like you're being compassionate to take the life of an unborn child, or to take the life of, of a terminally ill person and, and uh, put them out of their misery. We, we can't fall for this kind of garbage, so we need to guard against that.
1: Speak Out Illinois will address the assisted death movement during its February 25th conference. You can click events at IllinoisFamily.org for more information. Now, back in 2016, Lake County Right to Life hosted a forum on assisted death and allowed IFI to interview the keynote speaker, Nancy Valco. Nancy Valco is a registered nurse, legal consultant, and a spokesperson for the National Association of Pro-Life Nurses. And you say, on the issue of assisted suicide neutrality kills, what do you mean by that?
2: The problem is, if doctors themselves don't take a position on the most important issue they have, the most important covenant they have with their patients is that they will not kill them. What else is open? When you have that then you allow people who are willing to do it free reign. It's very important that doctors stay up and they say we will not kill our patients. When you have neutrality You're telling people, we don't care that much about it. And if we don't care as medical people, why should the public? In both Oregon and California, things changed when their medical associations took a position of neutrality.
1: Speaking of Oregon and California, they have assisted suicide pro-euthanasia laws. What's the likelihood of that happening here in Illinois?
2: Very high. There's real problems with the assisted suicide laws that aren't being spoken about publicly and that the media is not interested in, such as the secrecy involved, the self-reporting, they say, oh, it's going beautifully. But when you look at the few doctors who do it, who can do a whole lot of people in, they basically are called in when the doctor doesn't want to, the patient's own doctor doesn't want to. They come in, they meet the person who they've never met before, their specialty could be dermatology, Supposedly they can evaluate the qualifications of this person for assisted suicide, write the prescription, they are not required to be there, and they make out a form relying on self-reporting for the state. We don't allow this kind of secrecy in capital murder executions. Lethal injections, you can't do that. Everything is stripped of oversight and of transparency. They keep everything secret, and even worse, the cause of death, particularly in Oregon, they make the doctors put down some underlying condition rather than the real thing of assisted suicide. And they're very concerned about this so they have tried to change the terminology. It's not suicide. It's not like suicide. It is like suicide. It's exactly suicide. It's suicide with the doctor's help. And it does make a difference. But they actually in Washington, one doctor said They're making me falsify a document, a legal document. And when we're letting this happen, what happens to actuarial scales? What happens to research? We don't know really what happens when we reply on secrecy and self-reporting by the doctors.
1: What is the agenda of pro-assisted suicide, pro-euthanasia groups such as Compassion and Choices?
2: Well, it's important for people to realize, Compassion and Choices actually started out in 1938, was the origin of the movement. It was called then the Euthanasia Society of America, and it was working to get lethal injections legalized. And they didn't get very far, particularly after the truth about the Nazi Holocaust came out, where they not only killed Jews, but also the disabled in Nazi Germany and it fell into disfavor and what happened is these groups kind of started to change their names all of a sudden we had the society for the right to die and the invention of the living will that was kind of the resurrection of the euthanasia movement and lewis kuntner who's a lawyer from chicago was the guy who invented it and wrote a paper on this and it was called a good first step towards increasing public acceptance of euthanasia and has more than done that. So those things morphed in, Hemlock Society was there, and now we have a conglomerate called Compassion and Choices.
1: The new Planned Parenthood? Which
2: I said is really kind of positioned to become the new Planned Parenthood, only this time of death, it has a vendetta against the Catholic Church, who they consider that and disability activists as their primary opponents. They're very good with the media. Since Brittany Maynard, they insisted on having a called not assisted suicide, but aid and dying. They've been trying different terms and polls have found when you use the word suicide all of a sudden the support for assisted suicide drops. Suicide is a horrible thing. Uh, one of my children committed suicide at the age of 30 using an assisted suicide technique that she learned about from this group, from the groups of people promoting it.
1: Well what are some of the precursors for states adopting assisted suicide in pro-euthanasia laws. What happened in the run-up?
2: They're very well organized and with all the publicity and people like us who say, this doesn't work all that well. And this leads to that and all sorts of problems and Canada legalized it and they're talking about mentally ill people. It's not about terminal illness. It's not about pain. It's about people's right to choose death. Not choose, choose death for whatever reason. And the goal actually is assisted suicide euthanasia on demand. And Derry Humphrey of the Hemlock Society has been very open about that. And he said we will have euthanasia. And he said one of the reasons is, is because we have older people that we can't afford. The economics of it will make it inevitable.
1: Well, that leads me to ask you this. Could we see health care rationing? that would lead to assisted suicide and euthanasia.
2: It very well can. And on their website, Compassion and Choices, most of it has to do with getting federal funding for activities, for education, in, um, as palliative care. And most patients in Oregon and the other states that commit assisted suicide come from hospice. So they've been very involved. They know who to call. They have an 800 number and that happens and they're also talking about not reimbursing or even punitively challenging quote inappropriate care without defining what inappropriate is and as we know people with alzheimer's in the so-called persistent vegetative state are often considered just hopeless you know the best thing for them is to die
1: here in illinois they've watered down our right of conscience act doesn't that just play into the hands of the pro-euthanasia assisted suicide folks.
2: When you look at that what you've got are and we look at Planned Parenthood they're very well protected. They're supported by the media and Compassion and Choices is getting to that point too where they kind of manage what's happening and being able to promote this but the grounds already been tilled. People have gotten used to the right to die. They go well if I'm in a lot of pain People aren't. I've been a hospice nurse. I've been an oncology nurse, an ICU nurse, a burn unit nurse. You don't have to have pain, but they have the specter that natural death is automatically agonizing. Like I have friends, I said, if your loved one is dying and there's a problem, call me. Call me. I'll tell you what to ask, the questions to ask and the things to talk about. I researched this stuff all the time. I've taken care of my terminally ill mother with cancer. She died without even needing Tylenol even though the cancer was in her neck and she had to have a tracheostomy. This can be done but we're being sold a bill of goods. The usual CPR that we use and everybody should know about it is being portrayed to older people as something you don't want. We could break your ribs. Most of the time it doesn't work. We have a different language for people we don't consider lives as worthy as. And people are starting to fall for it. And they go, well, I'd like it if I get it. The problem is they're going to get it even when they don't want it. And that's what the disability people say, not dead yet has been wonderful. And they talk about it. They said when they go into a hospital, they're constantly said, want to sign a living will? Every day, want to sign a living will? They're being talked into, well, you don't want that. And I have seen that happen. And I've seen the bias that comes about because of that. And this is basically an elitist view. But I like to reassure people, we can control your pain and your symptoms. I spent almost 50 years doing it. Don't fall for the thing that we'd have to kill you. And we're being killed by doctors who have more in common with Jack Kevorkian than with Marcus Welby, the iconic.
1: Nancy Valco with the National Association of Pro-Life Nurses. More after this.
3: With a one-minute look at culture from a Christian worldview, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Jess Gill with Reason recently took to the streets of London asking the question, what are men good for? Not a lot, said one man. Nothing, said another pair of ladies. Men can be curse word, sometimes, said another. But the same people said women were good for literally everything. After struggling to come up with anything good to say about his own sex, one man said we need less traditional masculinity and instead a traditionally feminine approach to quite a lot of the problems. effects of third-wave feminism and villainizing half the human race are quite evident here, as is the destruction of male and female as categories of humanity. Some may worry that if they say men are good for anything, they're putting women down. That's nonsense. So let me give it a shot. Men are good for fathering, protecting, loving, providing, leading, fighting for what's right with their lives, if need be, and obeying in a masculine way the creation mandate of the God who made us male and female in the first place and declared it all very good. Was that so hard? For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street.
1: Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight during this edition, highlights from an interview about the assisted death movement with Nancy Valco, a spokesperson for the National Association of Pro-Life Nurses. You can read her blogs at nancyvalco.com. You mentioned living wills. Can we choose life in a living will?
2: Well, I actually have a blog where I discuss many of these things. I have a blog called Living with a Living Will. Because the language in there, people don't know. They're signing up and checking off things like food and water, ventilators, without really knowing what they're doing. And I said, would you sign an operation permit without the operation being on it, or what the circumstances were? And they go, ooh. I said, you trust that? It's not necessarily your doctor doctor's going to be making the decision. Find out what's going on. My advance directive, I don't check off anything. My husband knows my wishes. He will make the decision. He is to be given all facts and all options, and that's the part that people don't realize. They go, oh, and and this is an actual case that happened. The danger of this is there was a young man who was in a car accident, and he was concussed. He was knocked out, and both of his lungs collapsed, and the wife was there, and they put him on a ventilator, and they said, we've got to put chest tubes in to reinflate his lungs. She said, but my husband said no tubes. No, I never want tubes, and they go, lady, he's got virtually 100% chance. He's going to wake up from this concussion, but we need to inflate his lungs or he'll die. She goes, but he said he didn't want tubes and the doctors didn't put tubes in and the young man died. This is what I'm talking about.
1: You also mentioned people with disabilities and for the disabled, uh, they have to be very, very leery of this whole right to die pro-euthanasia movement.
2: They really do. Not Dead Yet is a really great organization. Not religiously affiliated, not, you know, with pro-lifers or anything else. They have their own thing. And having had a daughter with Down syndrome and seeing the bias when she was made of, do not resuscitate against my express wishes and behind my back, I understand what they're talking about. But it's interesting how things are portrayed according to age. These wonderful medical advances, when someone's older, it's portrayed entirely different if they're even allowed to talk about what kind of procedures. People don't understand what ventilators are. One time, an elderly man who needed a ventilator for pneumonia, a short time, you know, I explained it to the family and everything else. They got so comfortable with it, they go, well, that's not life support. I said, it exactly is. But I explained what it was, what we were doing it for, what we expected to happen. And they were very comfortable with it. If that man had checked off ventilators on his advance directive, who knows what could have happened they go well legally if he was unconscious or they thought maybe he was demented you know you're really opening yourself up to possible abuse and like I said informed consent is informed consent you wouldn't sign an operating permit without knowing everything what could happen what was there that's very important with euthanasia assisted suicide not so much
1: what can people of faith individuals do to counter this drive toward legalize euthanasia and assisted suicide.
2: They need to educate themselves. That is one of the biggest things, and it's such a big subject. There's a place called euthanasia.com. It has links to state organizations, pro-life organizations, articles on all sorts of stuff that people can do, and they can get involved. And also, I have a blog, which I write on many of these issues, and I try to in a short period of time, take one issue at a time and explain it. But once you get educated, then you have to speak out and speak up. And people are intimidated into silence nowadays because it is not politically correct. And I have done debates with people on the other side, including a vice president of the Hemlock Society. And I said, listen, I'd love to be on the politically correct side. You tell me. Convince me. Where am I wrong? And now no one even debates me. Because, you know, that's the thing. I said, I'm willing to do it. I'd like to be on the politically right side. But you get down to the fact is we don't cause or hasten death. And in the 60s and 70s, we were terrified as doctors and nurses. We no more wanted to do that, even inadvertently. It would just be devastating. And now the right to die is so big, they don't care. There's a lot of people who just don't care, and they start kind of bending the rules and uh, like the man I talked about that wouldn't stop breathing when they took him off the ventilator and the doctor goes, well, you know, he wants to be made comfortable. Keep increasing his medicine until he stops breathing. The medicine would stop his breathing and it did.
1: Well, when people vote, know what the candidates stand for in terms of the right to die and all this?
2: It's very important. And one thing I've told people, you know, when they say, oh, you're single issue, I said, a majority issue. I want to see what they say about life. If they're not good on that, how could they possibly be good on anything else? And I have my own economic ideas. I was on a health care reform task force in 2003 working with a think tank in Washington. We came up with tremendous ideas to cover the poor. It wouldn't have cost things. It wouldn't have been Obamacare or Hillary Care. It was absolutely great. There was money there to do it. And then the Iraq war broke out. But we have it, and we still have what we came up with. Vouchers to the poor, that once they use it up, it was catastrophic insurance. They would cover after that, but they could use it for whatever. That has been fought. They don't really like people to make their own decisions because they're not sure they'd make the right ones, and maybe they'd put off to save the money. They'd put off having preventative care. We're adults. Let people make their own decisions. I am not a Republican or a Democrat. I don't go into that stuff at all. On my blog, I do not discuss politics. I discuss health care. But to me, if they're not right on health care, which includes assisted suicide and abortion, they don't have my vote.
1: How can people get connected with Nancy Valco?
2: Well, I have a blog at nancyvalco.com. It's N-A-N-C-Y, V as in Victor, A-L-K-O, dot com one word Nancy Valco where they can read things and they can contact me through there they can give comments on what I wrote and they can contact me that way I'm notified every time there's a comment on there and I'm more than happy to help
1: thank you so much God bless
2: thank you God bless you too
1: Nancy Valco with the National Association of Pro-Life Nurses read her blogs at nancyvalco.com Be sure to visit IllinoisFamily.org to sign up for emails from IFI and for updates on legislation and issues impacting our state and our nation. And click events at IllinoisFamily.org for information about conferences, forums, and other events, including IFI's Pro-Life Worldview Conference, March 18th, at the Village Church of Barrington. Please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action and tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, stay healthy, stay active, and God bless.
0: For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback@ifiaction.org. at